Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn, ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn, tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer, that's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome everyone to episode 247 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and we have just been through one whirlwind of a week. The first week of free agency is officially over, and basically every big name is off the board. So today we're going to give a comprehensive breakdown, the winners and losers of the first week of free agency, which really might just be all of free agency. Before we get into all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It would really help us out. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. I mean, it's it's been quiet for at least a few hours. <laughs> right. Don't jinx it. I'm, well, I, I'm totally going to jinx it because you know what? My, I, I have sort of a prediction going on. While we're going to be recording this podcast, Russell Westbrook is going to get traded to the Heat. It, that seems very possible. And yep. we'll we'll get into Westbrook in a little bit. But we're, let's start with the winners. We've hit a bunch of them throughout the week, but you know now that we've had a time to digest, especially the Kawhi stuff from Friday. Mm-hmm. You know now that you've had more than four minutes being awake to react to that, and now that it's not three in the morning while I'm thinking about it, I think it's only fair to start with the Clippers, who yep. are arguably the biggest winners of free agency. Yeah, no, I mean after uh, I actually got a chance to think about it. I hate this deal for the Clippers, obviously. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Look, uh, I, I I have changed my mind about something. Or not changed my mind. I said the West was wide open. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of going back on my word on that. Or not back on my word, but I'm, I'm kind of changing my opinion on that a little bit. Because the more that I look at this Clippers roster, the more I think this could be a 62-65 win team. Yeah, I agree. I could I could see them completely and utterly dominate not just the West but the damn league this year. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I th- I think the one concern, at least for their regular season record, is just are they going to load manage Kawhi again? And I think the answer is probably yes. I think mm-hmm. that's a big reason he wanted to play with the second superstar, and they got Paul George is because now, you know, if Kawhi missed twenty or twenty five games. Okay, Paul George can just slot in, and he's he can score thirty in those games. That's fine. So right, and they have Mo Harkless, right? Who's not you know nothing like he's right. a legit rotational player, starting caliber player. 
They, yeah. they got Subach back. They still have Lou Williams, who we seem to be forgetting in all this. Like, mm-hmm. everyone seems to be talking about how, you know, Shea went the other way, all the draft picks. They got to keep Lou Williams, man, and Montressel Harrell. Like, yeah. they've, they're loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they fit together conceptually very well. I mean, I think they really might be... You know, we thought the era of super teams was, was over, and and as you said last episode, the the idea of having three or four max guys on one roster might be taking a step back. But they have two max guys and a stellar supporting cast. I mean, I, I think from what I've seen, odds makers have installed them as either the favorites to win the title or the co-favorites with the Lakers. I think that's fair. Um, mm. I wrote a piece yesterday at the Basketball Writers kind of wondering if they are the next super team and if the league is as wide open as we think it is. I mean, I think there are teams out there, the Jazz, who we'll talk about shortly, have also had a fantastic offseason. I think they really have vaulted themselves up to that top tier. The Lakers could be in there, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the, even the Blazers. There are a lot of teams vying for that crown, and there's no there's nothing like what the Warriors were last year when they came into the season. I think they were like minus 200 to win the title. You know, right now I think the Clippers and the Lakers are somewhere from what I saw yesterday, the Clippers were plus 275. I think now they might even be up to plus 350. I mean, no one is an overwhelming consensus favorite, but I do think the Clippers have the inside track based on the moves they've made. Right. Partly because you just said it yourself. They have two max guys, and they have a lot of you know depth. But in terms of having two max guys, a lot of team can have two max guys, but they have two legit max guys. There's a right. significant difference there because yeah. you and I have talked about there are just too many max contracts being handed out in the league today. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are two players who deserve that contract. Correct. This is not a Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton getting a max with all due respect to both of those guys. Right. You know. Paul George was a top three MVP candidate. Kawhi just proved he could single-handedly carry his team to a championship. He is a top, baseline top five NBA player. Paul George is somewhere in the top 10, top 15 range. But yes, both of those guys are very deserving. You just mentioned top 15? You going that low? I would have to, probably not. I mean, (laughs) which, which half of the season, Paul George... First half, yeah. top 10. Second half. <laughs> but hopefully yeah. we don't see that kind of a downgrade this year. Well, no, because, I mean, again, now they have the supporting cast, or he has the supporting cast. I mean, he's not yeah. going to be asked to score as much. And, and here's the thing that I find the most interesting. I have a feeling that those two guys, Kawhi and Paul George, are going to see less numbers. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to average over 25 points a game. I don't think they're going to average over seven or eight rebounds or three or four assists and all that. I don't think they're going to hit you know, each of them 200 triples or whatever. I think they're going to basically put all that aside. Like Kawhi signed a long-term deal. Paul George is on a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Those two guys now are all in on the championship mentality. Mm-hmm. I, and, and they know that they have so much help in Lou, in Montrezl Harrell, in Subach, Mo Harkless, you name it. Landry Shamit. I keep forgetting Landry mm-hmm. Shamit. Like, he's right there. And Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, man. So I have a feeling that they are going to not coast. That's that's the wrong word. Yeah. But I think they are just so attuned to winning now 
that their statistical numbers are just not going to be where they usually are. Like their advanced numbers and efficiency, I think, are going through the damn roof. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the raw numbers, I wouldn't be one bit surprised if both of them averaged like 21 points. Yeah, well, because now play. they can they can focus on defense now too. Exactly. Like if they play 32 minutes a game, average is like 21 points and are just game changers, like Michael Scotty-ish defense. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, I, I, perimeter defense is very clearly their calling card. I, I worry... My only two concerns about the Clippers are rim mm. protection, because they do have Zubac back, but aside from that, it's only Montrez Harrell and then Kevin Gelly, their, their rookie, who I don't think you're going to count on with championship aspirations. Right. And then do they have enough in terms of guys who can create for others? Because Kawhi is a willing passer, but he's not great. That's The Sixers tried to force him into being a playmaker in the playoffs, and that was their one way of staying in that series. Yeah, you know, Paul George is the same way. Willing passer, decent passer, but not elite. Patrick Beverly is, you know, a point guard in name, but not. yeah, he's a better rebounder than passer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then Lou Williams is a you know an elite microwave scorer. Also, a, a he's he willingly passes. He's just not an elite. You know, you're not going to have a guy on that roster averaging double digit assists. I would be surprised if they have a guy averaging like six or seven assists a game. Agreed. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be a problem because Landry Shamit came in a point guard, remember? And then yeah. they just, the league kind of realized, oh, he's more of a natural too. Right. That's fine, but he has some playmaking chops. Like he's mm-hmm. not some guy who's just looking to shoot. Like he can do some things with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree that you don't have that traditional playmaker, but this is a, a, a this is going to be a team where help is a big word like help defense uh players stepping up in roles that they may not be accustomed to like you know help me score the ball like get me more points uh so i can take a step back like you know i wouldn't even be surprised if lou williams keeps a 20 point average going that that wouldn't surprise me just to to let everyone else kind of settle in and take smarter shots so this is going to be like a by committee team yeah i could i could definitely see that yeah and, and I wouldn't be surprised, given the uh, amount of money that Subach just got, that he's going to play a significant role. Yeah. And I know that he's not a perimeter player, but his shot... I mean, this is just my opinion. I think his shot looks clean enough to to be like, you know effective from 16, 17 feet. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need your center to go out and shoot threes. I know that's in vogue right now, but I mean, you don't, you don't need it. And so if he can come in, rebound the ball, block shots hit some occasional 17-footers while scoring in the post, which we know he can, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. And then yeah. if you stagger those minutes with, with Harold so he doesn't clock the paint, all the better. Yeah, I totally agree. Oh, and by the way, I mean, Harold is kind of starting to shoot threes now. Yeah, I mean... Look, I, I'm going to have them. I mean, again, I wrote this piece at TBW, and I said they were the title favorites. I, yeah. I, I very much think so. But I do think it's at least more open than it has been in past years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Golden State going into last season. Or, I mean, the season before, not the one that just completed, but mm-hmm. like everyone knew. Remember? That, yeah. that was just... <laughs> well, everyone this past season, everyone thought they knew. Right. Because they signed... Cousins last year and they thought all right this is why even you know the whole reaction was why even play the season 
Like they just signed Zamarcus Cousins with the taxpayer mid level exception. They just completely rigged the league. And then Right. But took, to be fair, had Cousins not gotten injured, had Durant right. not, not torn his yeah, Achilles, right. had played, it, not, it took yeah. a, a ridiculous series of events for them not to win the title, but right. it, it still did happen. Yeah, yeah. So basically what you're saying is everything can happen. I agree with you. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, by the way, if you guys want to check out that piece, you can use the code the NBA Pod at bballraiders.com. You get 10% off your daily, annual, or monthly subscriptions. We had a lot of good stuff going up in the, in the coming days as well about just all of the madness from this first week. But yeah, I wrote about the Clippers. I wrote about the Nets. I wrote about the Jazz. Lots of good stuff up there for me. And since I just mentioned the Nets more, let's talk about them since they are the other big winner of free agency, getting mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, getting Kyrie Irving. They also they they use some creative cap math to squeeze in DeAndre Jordan um, by giving Kyrie and Durant some unlikely incentives based on reporting. They also got Garrett Temple with the room mid level exception and Wilson Chandler on a veteran minimum deal, which yeah. I think is actually a pretty quietly big addition for them. Oh, there is no quiet about that. Wilson Chandler is good. I mean, I I know I don't know why he keeps getting underrated to the extent that he does. Like he is a very solid ball ball player. He can play multiple positions. He can defend multiple positions. He's gotten better as a shooter. He's strong as an ox. Can get, take the ball to the basket, and he can rebound. I, he is multifaceted. I think his somewhat significant injury history in Denver really mm-hmm. hurt his rep. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, yeah, because after the 2016-17 season, he came back and was fantastic. And then he kind of fell off a little bit the past two years. I mean, you know, he played 51 games this past season, only averaged six points in 23 minutes, which is not great. But, you know, he's shot pretty well from three over the past. He was not a great three-point shooter early in his career, but he's really developed. Still not a high-volume guy, but over the past... Looks like six years, he's shot 35.3% from three. And yeah, he's just a big body, nice, versatile, can switch multiple positions. For getting him on a min deal, mm. you know, you can't complain about that. No. I mean, if you ask me, and it's, this is not to, to, you know, this is not Jeff Green's slander. But if mm. you gave me the option of Jeff Green and Wilson Chandler, I would go Wilson Chandler. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know I you would. would too. No, yeah. I probably would too. Oh, okay. I mean, but because here's the thing, he is. There's so much more to him than just the game. Like he is, he's tough nosed. He's also a great teammate, and he's one of those guys who will rush over immediately to pick someone up. Like for many people, that's like, hey, whatever. That doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It means a whole lot. Like he is a valuable asset to team chemistry. Yeah, there's so sure. many assets uh, or you know aspects of him that I really really enjoy, and the same can be said of Garrett Temple. Like he's a high quality teammate, and I have to assume that Sean Marks looked at the guys that he brought in, like KD and Kyrie, and said, "Okay, obviously the talent level is there, mm-hmm. the personalities can be kind of <laughs> off." Right, and DeAndre so let, too, and DeAndre as well for that matter. So let me get some stabilizers in here. Let me yeah. get some locker room guys who have voices, who right. have respect, who can yeah. play minutes, who, who aren't just like getting two minutes a game and sitting behind, you know, in the back of the locker room going, hey, guys, play better. No, he needed you know, players who can contribute while still having their, you know, their voices heard. 
for sure. Um, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, I think the Nets will be, they're a playoff team next year. I don't think they're a real title threat as long as KD is hurt. But I think come 2020, it very well could be, you know, the 2021 NBA Finals very well could be Clippers-Nets. Can I share a hot take with you? Yeah. All right. So I don't necessarily believe my own hot take. I'm just going to present it as a possibility. Okay. In the year that Durant is out, maybe he and Kyrie sour on each other to the extent that he wants out. Oh, so man. there's, I think there's a possibility yeah. <laughs> that Durant could, may not never suit up for the Nets. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely the concern for the Nets. It's The on-court thing is, does Durant come back from his injury and at, at what percentage is he compared to his pre-injury form? But even bigger concern, and it's the same goes for the Lakers, who we'll talk about later, can this locker room stay together? Yeah. And I, I would think... To play devil's advocate, I would think because KD and Kyrie are apparently close friends off the court, same with DeAndre Jordan, and the fact that these guys all chose to sign there rather than, you know, Kyrie got traded to Boston. He didn't have any say in the matter. Hmm. The fact that these guys chose to team up, I think, puts them on their best behavior at least early on, would be my guess. But right. look, I mean, I... I you know, as as a Sixers guy, I certainly hope it all blows up in their face. I just don't think it will. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but, you know, the whole idea or angle of, you know, Kyrie not having a, a voice in where he he went in terms of Boston, that's that's totally fair. But if he felt that way, then maybe don't tell the entire crowd that he's planning on re- resigning. <laughs> right, right. That, that didn't end well for him. No. It really didn't. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it, and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go rapid fire through some other winners, many of whom we've already talked about, so we don't need to go too in-depth. New Orleans Pelicans stay winning the offseason. They got J.J. Redick at two years, $26.5 million, traded a pair of second-round picks for Derek Favors. I I mean, what what else can you say about David Griffin, aside from, unfortunately, he now has competition in the Executive of the Year race because he's got to deal with Sean Marks and, I guess, Michael Winger, who's technically the GM of the Clippers, but... Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal job by David Griffin. I I love I love what the Pelicans have made, and I frankly think I they could be a playoff team this year. I would be surprised if they weren't. It's only because the West is so strong, but we'll see what happens with OKC. But you know, if they trade Westbrook, they're out. I uh, I mean, <laughs> even if they don't, they're probably yeah. out. Yeah, but you know, you've got. Teams that missed last year, like the Lakers, are going to be more competitive in theory. Um, who am I? There's another team who I'm immediately forgetting. The Kings? Yes, the Kings. 
the Kings are going to be more competitive. Like yeah, we, other... we should talk about that when we when we get to them because I've seen that you put them on your winners list and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna balk at that. Okay, all right. Uh, Utah Jazz, very very clear winners. I, I sang their praises at TBW. So again, basketball writers or bballwriters.com, the NBA pod for your code for ten percent off your daily, monthly or annual subscription if you want. A thousand plus words on why the Jazz are winners of the offseason. But look, they overpaid for Bogdanovich a little bit, but he's just such a good fit that I think it's worth that gamble. And it sounds like they were kind of banking on Nico, and then he threw the curveball by going back to Barcelona. So they adjusted to a plan B. But, you know, getting Ed Davis at the room mid level, getting Jeff Green and Moutier on minimum deals. Yep. They're, they're a deep team, man. Mm hmm. I don't know why, but I, so I, I put out a tweet complimenting them after the Moutier news and people were like mentioning me like going Moutier really like what do you like about that I like the fact that you got him on a mint deal yeah I like the fact that you got him as a backup maybe even a third string backup like I know that he was a uh, no actually I'm not going to say bust I know that he was very disappointing considering his draft slot I think he was chosen seventh right right so obviously he has not lived up to those expectations. But just because you don't live up to certain expectations from your draft slot, it doesn't mean that you're automatically uh, you know, not a good NBA player or productive NBA player. You can still right. become uh, a highly productive NBA player and just not have lived up to your draft slot. Given that he was signed for the mi- minimum, like he averaged, what, 13, 14 points last year? I know it yeah. was for the Knicks. But I watched a hell of a lot of Knicks games. He looked better, and I had followed his career. I watched a lot of Denver as well with him. He looked better, smarter, yeah. more under control. Like, the shot selection was better. He wasn't turning the ball over in the sa- at the same rate. And when he did, it wasn't always in the same manner that he did in Denver. Like, he is improving. He is refining his game. So getting him for that m- amount of money, which is right. virtually nothing... Right. And for him to come in off the damn bench, give me a break. That's excellent value. Yeah, he's still super young too. He turned twenty three in March. Bingo. So, there I mean, we it's have it. not. Yeah, like it, this is not. This is a no brainer. He's one yeah. of one of the best values on the market at a minimum deal. If you're paying him, you know what the Knicks did for Alfred Payton, then we need to talk. But getting him in the minimum, great, no risk, whatever. Especially with yeah. Exum's injury history, you need some insurance behind Mike Conley, and they have it in Moutier. Right. And at the same time with Moutier, this is a 6'5 point guard. I don't care that you may not be as good as you were you know, thought of to be. When you mm-hmm. can still play in the league and you're a 6'5 point guard, you are going to have defensive advantages. Like You're mm-hmm. so tall. You're so big at guard. And he can move, by the way. like He can move his feet. Yeah. You are just going to be a difference maker one way or the other. Totally agree. Oh, and by the way, Ed Davis, for that money, what yeah. t- 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 $5 million a year? So yep. $10 million total over two years? Yep. That's a freaking steal. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. I, I just needed to reiterate it. Yeah, no, he's he's excellent. And if you, you know, the, the, your concern for Utah, in theory, is that, you know, Bogdanovich is probably going to play the four. In theory, it's going to be Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, uh, Bogdanovich, Gobert. If you're worried about defense or rebounding, okay, now you have Ed Davis. 
where Ed (laughs) Davis is basically just the bargain version of what Derek Favors is. He could play the four. He'll presumably be the backup five behind Gobert, and you got him at $5 million instead of seventeen, which is what Favors is getting this year. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, Utah is just a chef's kiss, right? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Fantastic offseason for them. We'll circle back to the Kings since you're going to push back on them being winners. So let's go mm-hmm. right to the Sixers. I think if you're going to lose Jimmy Butler, which seemed he wanted to go to Miami, I think pivoting in the way they did is about the best they could have hoped for. They got Josh Richardson, who is fantastic two-way player. I said it the night that this trade happened. I would much rather have Josh Richardson at $10 million than I would Jimmy Butler at 327 Mm-hmm. The Tobias deal is an overpay, but it was a necessary evil. Um, and I'm I'm going to have a piece out tomorrow on Forbes about the, the Tobias trade was an overpay, and then the Tobias signing was an overpay. But without the Tobias trade, they can't do what they did this offseason because they right. had his bird rights, they had his cap hold, they knew his starting salary was going to be more. Having those two things in conjunction effectively gave them an additional $9 million in cap space which they then used on Al Horford. Now, the concerns about the supersized Sixers not having enough shooting, I think, is fair. We'll see how it turns out. But they brought back Mike Scott. They got James Ennis on conflicting reports there as to whether it's a two-year minimum or a two-year $4.1 million deal, I think, was the other figure floating around. So we'll wait to see. Those deals haven't been officially announced yet, but they should be shortly. But either way, those two guys are great role players off the bench. Getting Kylo Quinn on a minimum, I think, is a phenomenal value, especially considering Boban went to Dallas for two years, $7 million. I would Agreed. I love Boban. I'm super sad that Toby and Bobby are no longer a thing, but I'd much rather have Kylo Quinn, who is potentially playable in the playoffs, versus Boban, who I love him, but... Against the Raptors, he you know he got like a minus ten in one minute. It, it just there are certain matchups he could not play in. So, right, I I give Elton Brand and the Sixers Hydra of a front office credit. I think they did better than I thought. If they didn't run it back, they were in a lot of trouble. I could not have foreseen this offseason going as well as they did. Oh, and they got Raul Nito on a minimum deal as well. That who they I think, did. I think is a really nice pickup for them. I want to split or Philadelphia's uh, summer into both winners and TBD. Okay. Uh, I think the winner section is definitely their added depth because mm-hmm. they needed it drastically. And I think the TBD is how Horford is going to mesh with Embiid. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally But overall, fair. I think your, your point about this is about as good as you can do from pivoting away from Jimmy, I think that's spot on. Like yeah. if you were going to lose Jimmy Butler the way you pivoted here, I I totally agree. I mean, you you got Jay Rich for ten million a year, or mm-hmm. well he was on that contract already, but right now you're now you have it. And I think if you look at Tobias who earns thirty two point seven this year, and then Josh Richardson at what ten it's ten point something right ten point one ten point so basically ten okay yeah fair enough. Uh, even if you round it up and say that's a, a combined. 43 million for those two this year mm-hmm. like if you split it into two that's fine yeah that's well, yeah. perfectly fine and we'll see there have been some reports about the horford contract it's it sounds like it starts around 28 million reportedly the partial guarantees 
that Woj initially reported about the championship bonuses, it sounds like it's actually just a partial guarantee in the fourth year. So it's hard to give that signing a full grade without knowing the exact structure of the deal, but it sounds right. like it's going to be descending and then have the partial guarantee as well. So at least, you know, they, they loaded it up at front because this year they shouldn't dip into the tax after next year when the Ben Simmons extension kicks in. They're going to be in tax hell, so getting Horford declining from there was very smart on their end. Is that the solution, or part partly the solution, when you sign older players? Because I we've so. talked about this so often that mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense that you pay top dollar for a guy who's going to be like 35. You look at Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. like It makes no sense, given his age, that he's going to earn more and more money considering he's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, This has to be the new norm. For players who are over a certain age, maybe even I know that the players' union will, <laughs> they will fight and claw back on this every step of the way, but it would make sense to basically incorporate it into the CBA mm-hmm. that after a player's thirty-second year, the contract if he signs a new contract after the age of thirty-two, it needs to be in declining value. Yeah, I mean the the tricky thing is with max guys they expect going up, but right. I think it's fair. You shouldn't necessarily max out a guy in their mid thirties unless it's LeBron James. Right. The, the LeBron rule. Like right. it's okay for LeBron. Everyone else no. <laughs> yeah, basically. The Pacers, I think, are another big winner. Yeah. Uh, I know they lost a lot of talent losing Collison to retirement. Thad Young went to the Bulls. They lost Bojan as well. But getting Brogdon, who is a phenomenal fit there. Getting Jeremy Lamb at three years around thirty million was really a good pickup as well. I like the value on TJ McConnell. I think they did as well as they could, knowing that Oladipo is probably going to miss the start of the year, uh, and now they've got guys. I mean, th- their big concern was offense once Oladipo went down. They didn't have enough guys who could create on their own. Now I think they do. I I don't think it's fair to lump the TJ Warren thing into free agency, but. If they did, yeah. that that makes it even better for them because they just actively took TJ Warren into cap space and got the number thirty-two pick as well because the Suns are idiots. Partial credit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, I think the Pacers had a really nice offseason. I think, in theory, once Depot returns, I think they are a more threatening team than they were last year. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, Brockton and Lamb—that's two highly efficient. Uh, well, I don't even know if Lamb was that efficient, but highly effective at the very least. Wing players. You know, Lamb is a, is a legit two-way wing who can play the two, the three. He rebounds almost as well as an undersized four. Like, he is a great rebounder. And I think that's exactly what Indiana needs. Because, again, I'm not trying to put pile on, but Miles Turner's not a great rebounder. You need additional rebounding coming from different positions then. Because that's just a crunch, essential. You need to, to gang rebound. Lamb is perfectly capable of, of joining that. And then you have Brockton. Like, we don't even need to go into all that detail. You know, 50, 40, 90, can play make, you know, what, seven, seven foot wingspan or something insane like that, even though he's just standing 6'5. Great shooter, can defend. I just love this team right now. I'm, I'm all the way in. Not even to mention, I know this isn't free agency, but, you know, Goga Vitatse in the draft. Mm hmm. They have a strong-ass team. And I I kind of think, Brian, that they could catapult themselves in to that 
top tier in the East with the, with the Sixers and the Bucks. Interesting. I am not quite there because I'm worried about their forward depth. Oh, that could totally be a thing. Yeah, totally. But they, here's they the thing: they're Lamb they're probably going to pl- huh? Are they they have Warren and then who else? Sabonis is the four. Yeah, but who's playing the three? I mean, you have Lamb who can play the three pretty easily. Brockton can yeah. also slide up there. When yeah. Oladipo is back, he's just going to play a guard. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, in theory, you're going to have some combination of Oladipo, Brogdon, and Lamb on the court at some point, and one of those guys will effectively play the three, but I just don't know that they have, you know, who's going to stop if you're going against the Clippers, for instance? Who do they have to stop? One of Kawhi or Paul George, much less both. Well, they're going to meet them twice in a, twice a year. That's yeah, but fine. If you go against the Sixers, you're going to go against a team that's starting no one shorter than 6'6". Six, six. Yep. No, you're Size right, but that's also one of the elite teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I could see the Pacers being like the third best team in the. East. Yeah, I could as well. I could. That's fair. That's probably where I would put them at this point. Just. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're not going to go go higher than Milwaukee or Philly. That's right. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying okay. they're going yeah. to catapult themselves into that conversation, that tier. Yeah. I think yeah. there's there's it it ends up being those three, and then there's a gap, mm. where a whole bunch of teams are. Yeah, I would put Milwaukee and Philly on their own tier, and then like Indiana at the top of the next one, probably with Brooklyn, Boston in there. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Miami, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still so uncertain about Brooklyn at this point because That's Durant's right. not going to play. Yeah, and again, Kyrie, man, he concerns me. He concerns the hell out of me. Indiana might be on its own tier. It might be Milwaukee, Philly on its own tier. Then Indiana on its own tier, and then you know the Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, Detroit. Who Toronto is going to be in there still? I think. Yeah, yeah, but and we'll and see. I I realize that Nets fans right now are listening to us, going, "Wow, the disrespect!" It's I'm respecting I it. them. I yeah. think they're going to be good. Yeah, I yeah I do too. I mean, obviously a playoff team. I'm just saying there are definitely questions that 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 are surrounding them. I mm-hmm. I need to see it before I completely buy in. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Last winner for me, then, or last clear winner, I guess, is the Chicago Bulls. Yep. Love Sadoransky. Love Luke Cornett. I, mm-hmm. It makes me mad that someone picked him up and it wasn't the Sixers, but he's really good. It, what are the details on the Thad Young contract? Because our, our friend of the podcast, Mark Karantzoulis, tweeted something earlier today that makes me think it's descending. Oh, I didn't even see that. I, I have not been much on the computer today or even Twitter. So what, okay. what did he say? Well, he just said, like, the structure of all the deals that they've made is really smart, which makes me think Thad is descending, but maybe not. I could be wrong. Mm. But I, if I, it is, that would be really good. I think what he's alluding to is there are uh, only partial guarantees, or maybe oh. it's even a, a team option in the third year. So okay. Satoransky and Thad both got three-year deals. Right. But the final year seems to be... Very fluid, because the Bulls oh, really see. want to be involved in the 2021 free agency class. Okay. They kind of realized they're not a player this year, so they're basically going to spend the next two years developing their team. And honestly, what they did this year, not just in terms of the draft, but also free agency, this is putting the right you know presentation out to free agents in a couple of years. Like they, they did this right. They didn't panic and sign Dwayne Wade, Rashawn Rondo, and Jabari Parker. 
Mm-hmm. Like they went out and spent money on solid veterans who will help the team win now, yeah, and who will help the team, you know, the youngsters grow. Yep. Luke Cornett is what twenty four. He's he he could potentially be part of that core moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they they did well, man. And yeah. apparently, it's because they were listening to a young stud in the front office, which oh, is interesting. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and they use cap space to sign Gafford to a four-year deal, which is also very, very smart. Always good to get those guys locked up on cheap, long-term deals. And if you well, the, sign, yeah, team options on the on the final two years. So if he becomes right. something major, you're probably that. Then it becomes a Nikola Jokic situation where you probably have to to decline the last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the Hinky special contract from back in the day. Exactly. But, right. But if you sign him. Just with minimum deals or minimum exceptions, not using cap space, it could only be limited to two years. So it was smart of right. them to use whatever, you know, a, exactly a little more than a million on cap space and get this guy locked in long term. Or he at was, least he, he looked pretty good at summer league, by the way. Yeah, I know. I think he's <laughs> going to be. A, a, I think Cornette and Gafford are as good of a nice young backup front court to Wendell Carter Jr. and Markinen. I have a pretty sick stat, by the way, in terms of Luke Cornett. So there are only two players in the NBA this year or last year that had a three-point rate of over 65 and a block percentage of over four. Mm. Cornett and Brooke Lopez. Yeah, I know Ben Dietrich, who is a Sixers Twitter guy, has been clamoring for someone to sign him. So yep. he's yep. he's very happy. I think he's going to end up playing way more minutes than Bulls fans realize. It wouldn't surprise me. Yep. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. You're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Let's go into the the obvious losers, and then we'll finish up with some teams that are kind of in the purgatory in between range. So, one, Charlotte Hornets. I mean, God. Terry Roger, three years, $58 million. And then Mitch Kupchak comes out yesterday and says, we think Terry Rozier would have been a lottery pick this year to justify signing and trading your franchise player after lowballing him and then bringing in a guy and spending $58 million on a guy with multiple years of NBA experience who you think would have been a lottery pick in one of the worst draft classes in recent memory. Congratulations. (laughs) That's not great, no. So... um... When when I first saw the report that Terry Rocher was going to the Hornets, and it was for fifty eight million, you know that Justin Timberlake Timberlake gif, where he just yeah. stands 
and just yeah. looks into the camera. Yep. That was me, but not for the duration of that GIF for like 10 minutes. Just, yep. what what are you doing? And I've gotten a lot of pushback uh, from Danes or, or Boston fans going, hey, sir, Rochier is actually good. I don't know why you hate him so much. Mm-hmm. He, look, it's it's not that he doesn't have a game. He's clearly an NBA player. That's not what I'm saying. He's not $58 million over three years worth it. Right. Like, he is by no no means close to it. Like, there's he, he is not a starting caliber point guard. He's a backup. He's he's a tough-nosed rebounder. <clears throat> when he really wants to, he can be a strong defender. And he can, on occasion, be a very solid slasher. And he is he does have a high three-point, uh, at least three-point attempts ratio. But he's not efficient. He's not right. effective. Doesn't get to the line a whole lot. I think it's it's really bad. Actually, I don't have the numbers pulled up, but I, if memory serves, average one point two free throw attempts per game in twenty minutes. Go. Yeah, there yeah. we go. That that's bad. Um, and he's just it's the game of his is so on and off. Like there's no stability there. His inconsistency is mind boggling. And you give that fifty eight million over three years. I had even if if they had signed him to four years, fifty eight million, I would have laughed my ass off. <laughs> right, right. This is a horrendous contract, just horrendous. And they were already completely strung out financially. Yep. This this is the most illogical summer for a team I've I've seen in what five or six years or something. It's Complete no. Okay, well, fair enough. The the Lakers signed Dang and Moskov. Never mind. But <laughs> right. Since 2016, this yeah. this is this is by far the weirdest. What the hell are you doing? Ironically, same man, same man made those signings. I I don't know if that's irony. I think that just <laughs> might be a sign. Yeah. Yeah. That that was. It's just awful. I I I feel for you, Hornets fans. You you have. Replaced Kings fans as the team, as the the group of fans who should be allowed to amnesty bandwagon. You could join another team, and no one can make fun of you because there yeah. is no there is no point in being a Hornets fan right now. So, how much of this do you put at the feet of Michael Jordan? I put. I think a lot a of it. Lot. Yep, I do too. So remember when he and Charles Barkley stopped talking? Uh huh. It was because Charles Charles had basically said on national right. television that Mike didn't ha- should stop. Aligning himself with the yes men. Yeah. I usually don't agree with Charles on anything. But when you hire Mitch Kupchak, mm-hmm. it certainly means that someone is giving you bad advice. And, or you have a you know a predetermined idea of who that guy is. And you're just going to go, hey, this guy's a name. I'm going to sign him and he's going to take us to the promised land. Yep. No. No. You, you need someone in that organization to go, Mike... Dude, goat, whatever you want to be called, STFU and sit down and listen to what I have to say. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it just it makes me so mad. Just I just can't believe they 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 lost Kemba Walker because they they overpaid everyone else, and then when it time came time to pay the guy who actually deserved it, we're like ah well. No, we're not going to do that. Just who the Hornets are. They are the most hopeless team in the NBA right now. What's the the equivalent of losing Kemba and replacing Kemba with a so overrated, overpaid Terry Rozier? 
I, I can't think of one. I mean, it, it's like being promised, here's one, being promised a pair of Air Jordans, but then instead your mom walks in with a pair of Starburries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And as someone who once owned a pair of Starburries that I bought for $10 at what I, I think it was like Dwayne Reed or something like that, or wherever mm-hmm. you bought in New York, we did it back in college at the Big East tournament. Those were just made of cardboard. They, <laughs> they did not feel good at all at any point when you wore them, but they did help Georgetown win a Big East championship. So I'll, I will forever be grateful to my pair of Starburries. Oh um, man, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's a pretty fair, <laughs> that's a fair, pretty fair wrap of the Hornets. Good, yeah. Phoenix Suns are the other obvious loser. Again, if we're if we're lumping T.J. Warren in with the Pacers, the team that salary dumped T.J. Warren deserves to be shamed. Mm-hmm. That is the Phoenix Suns. Ricky Rubio at three years, fifty-one million. I don't like that at all. I just nope. don't see the point. I, I I, don't know what the Suns are doing. I just have no idea. I mean, in theory, they have a decent amount of young talent in at least Booker, Bridges, Aiton. But then getting rid of Warren, I'm not going to dump on them too much for dumping Josh Jackson, even though it was a terrible trade on their end. I just think they were so out on Josh Jackson that they were desperate to unload him. But giving up DeAnthony Melton in that deal hurts a lot. They got Javon Carter, who could be good. But, you know, (laughs) I saw where the trade broke. Suns fans were at least like, oh, well, they're bringing in Kyle Korver. So maybe they think they're going to make the playoffs and, you know, maybe they can, he can help them. And then two minutes later, it was, oh, the Suns are buying out Kyle Korver. They were Mm -hmm. like, ah, there is no explanation for this trade. It's just Josh Jackson was a terrible pick, did not fit at all. I don't know. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried for Aiton, frankly. I'm worried for Booker and Aiton that their growth is just going to be stunted because the Suns are just so bad. Uh, I mean, I, I feel as though we've said that for the past three years regarding Booker. I mean, yeah. he's gotten better. Right. So so he's kind of defied the odds, but he's, he does have bad habits, and he isn't yet a winning player. Yeah. And I think that's part of... I think maybe the losing culture is just too much. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder if he just was traded for someone else and and went to a winning team. If that would change stuff. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I thought you know back in the process era that was always one of the big talking points was well they have a losing culture it's gonna ruin their players forever and I I think it's BS to some extent based on the circumstances. I think if you have you know, back they had Brett Brown, who I think kept that locker room positive. We've heard multiple veterans who came in through that during that time and said, I was shocked at how actually these guys still cared about basketball and were still working hard. And you could see the foundation of something building. Whereas in Phoenix, in theory, you should be able to see the foundation of something building because they have, you know, Booker's great. Aiton had a really good rookie season. Miles, mm. or Mikhail Bridges is a nice he's you know he's not a cornerstone but he's a nice starting caliber forward two-way player he's the type of guy that teams are paying 180 million dollars for this offseason <laughs> yeah and yet do you have any hope that the suns are going to win even 30 games next year i do not no no so what so let's just play this out what would it take 
it would take either Booker or Aiden becoming like a top eight player in the league. For them to win 30 games or for them to make the playoffs? For, for them to just become relevant. Oh. I mean, the, yeah. that that's the, this turnaround, if one of those guys just break out and just something, you know, something just pops in their head. Something just goes up. Like something just says, all right, I get it. I know how to play basketball. I know how to play winning basketball. And one of them turn into a legit, undeniable superstar. Yeah. That's that's one thing the Suns can use to kind of, you know, fling themselves into relevance again. Right. But but if that doesn't happen, then it has to be like a Knicks situation where it's, infra- in, you know, in, in, in infrastructural, uh, you know, damage and not having the foundation to build something positive on. It's like a, a failure from top to bottom. And yeah. I wonder if that's the case. What the hell do you do? Robert Sarver isn't leaving. They're going to trade for Russell Westbrook. I mean, I I would like a team in this league that's just nothing but a complete <laughs> ass show. So yeah, why not? Yeah, and and speaking of Westbrook, I think he he not the Thunder, but Russell Westbrook in particular is the other big loser of the first week of free agency, if only because. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but it seems like he's not going to be with the Thunder for much longer. Well, yeah. you know, right after the Paul George thing happened, Woj reported that Westbrook and his agent have gone up to Sam Presti and they're exploring their next steps together, which all but seems to confirm, you know, he he, he recognizes gone. it. Yeah, I mean, there's no point to keeping Russell Westbrook on a team that just lost its second best player and was possibly going to be treading water even if they had just run it back mm-hmm. you know it, it it sucks i mean westbrook gave i guess 11 years to that franchise i mean i bet he probably wanted to just retire in okc and average triple doubles until the day he retired but this he's gonna catch a lot of slander even though in this instance he you know paul george has said nothing but nice things to him on the way out it there was the one report from Shams about possible discontent between the two, but in Paul George's like Instagram post saying thank you to the Thunder, he specifically mentioned Russell Westbrook, and they both shouted each other out. It doesn't seem as much like a KD uh, KD Westbrook thing, at least right. on the surface. But still, he's going to catch a lot of heat. For now, this is the second small forward we've played with, who, <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, is no longer with him. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up, um, and what well, they and, get and back and that's the for thing. him. That's the one hundred and seventy million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's where does he end up, and what do they get back for him? Is he a positive asset right now? No, no, he's I, not. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise. I don't think it's not like a John Wall, right? But I don't think it's. I only I bet if I had to rank them in terms of most desirable, Westbrook is above Chris Paul and mm-hmm. above John Wall. But yeah, I don't think you're getting multiple first round picks for him. I don't think you're getting more than I don't even know if you get one really promising young prospect. Like if no. Miami is really the play, I don't know that you're getting Winslow or Bam out of bio. Oh no. You I mean if you are, shame on the heat. Right. Look, so, so Sack Lowe on his pod with, with uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, 
said something interesting. And I, I want to preface this by saying this was not a report. This was his opinion. But I agree with his opinion. He was like, I don't think that the, even the Minnesota Timberwolves would trade Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. for uh, for Russell, Russell Westbrook, even though Wiggins obviously is on a horrible contract. Yeah. I agree with that. Huh. I, I think, and this is crazy because Russell Westbrook two years ago was the MVP of the league. He's still averaging triple doubles, but the the general opinion about him and the concern about him diminishing in both you know effective uh, in production and effectivity and efficiency and all that as he ages, those are legit concerns. He plays yeah. above the rim. He plays 100 miles an hour and always will. Here's the problem: if you play 100 miles an hour, but you're only going 50, mm-hmm. we, and that's going to happen with him. He's going to turn from effective fast break player to very much not an effective fast break player. So what type of system do you throw him into where he can recoup some of his um, value, I guess? Mm -hmm. I I can't find one, Brian. I can't see a team in this league where he goes and everything is like, oh, there it is. There's the real Russell Westbrook. No. right. Every situation I see comes with limits because – who out there, outside the Thunder, are going to say, hey, Russ, do whatever the F you want? Right, right. Yeah. Nobody. I, I don't know. It would make me, I really hope this Miami thing is true. Just because I don't, I'm not as mad at Jimmy Butler as it seems like a lot of other people on Sixers Twitter are. I think his whole, you know, I just want to win thing is proven to be total BS. I just think he wants to be in nice weather, wants to be the number one option on his team. So it would make me very happy, just in the in a irony sense, if he then had to go play out the rest of his prime with Russell Westbrook, and that limits their flexibility to add a third star. That would be pretty hilarious. But yeah, there's not a good location out there for him. I think it's going to be a dumb team that gets him. I don't think it's going to be a well-managed team. I guess Houston, uh, according to Tim McMahon of ESPN, Houston is at least sniffing around. So we'll see if there's any smoke there. But, yeah, I feel like it's more in the line of a Knicks or a Suns or a Hornets that just need a star and don't care about actually winning games. They're just like, we need to put butts in seats. We'll get this guy who could average a triple-double. It'll be great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I've said this before. I've said this for years now. I think the triple-double average was arguably the worst thing that ever happened to him. It's it's certainly become the defining part of his last few years, for yeah. better or worse. Oh, how is it better? <laughs> well, he won the MVP a couple of years ago. That's nice. He shouldn't have. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. 
That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Let's <laughs> let's go into the TBD teams now. And these are teams where they, I mean, it's hard to call them winners or losers. It's no. just kind of a mixed bag for them. So let's start with the Kings because you mentioned them earlier. I think yeah. they overpaid a lot of guys, admittedly. They overpaid Ariza, Barnes, Corey Joseph. I do like the values on Deadman and Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I just think they've now assembled a nice mix of veterans and young guys. And I think right. they're a legit playoff contender this year, which I know, did this raise their championship ceiling? No, probably not. I don't think they're a legit contender. But this is a Kings team that has missed the playoffs for, I believe, 14 straight years. We need to grade them on a curve at this point. I I don't think they're thinking about winning championships right now. I just think they're thinking about, let's be a competitive team. The last time they were above 500, Mort, George Bush was still the president. It was 2005-2006. Oh, God. And then remember the year where they were very much over 500 and then Boogie went down and they yep. fired Mike Malone? And, yeah. Oh, God. So here, here's my problem, okay? You actually had the Kings in the winner section initially. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned it yourself. They overpaid Trevor Ariza, yeah. Harrison yeah. Barnes, Corey Joseph. Ariza got $25 million. Barnes got $85 million. Mm-hmm. That's 110 already. Then Corey Joseph got 37. That's $147 million, right? Mm-hmm. Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes, he got a two-year $10 million. What What did Dedman get? I don't remember. Three years, 40. Okay. Now, just compare those two total numbers for bad contracts and good contracts and tell me how they can win. <laughs> I think because they've got... Heald is up for an extension this summer, and Fox has two more years. They Right, but I mean the winning this season. How could oh, they be oh. deemed as winners this year when you gave... <laughs> Like, to me, all right, so here's the way I see it. I, I think they had a golden opportunity. Like, Harrison Barnes declined his damn player option. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe they had, you know, a wink-wink deal. If that's the case, then that's the I'm play. I'm sure they did, yes. Yeah, right. But, oh, the amount of, of possibilities that opened up for those few hours where Kings fans were unshackled. By the burden of a you know paying Harrison Barnes in the twenty million range annually, mm-hmm. and then for them to just go, hey, let's let's do it again for four years, <laughs> right? That is, and I don't care if he's only gonna take up fourteen percent of the cap in the last year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. That fourteen percent can be used on something better. I I just don't get it. And then Corey Joseph, three years. Uh, 37. Look, yeah. the dude had a PER of 11 and a true yeah. shooting percentage of 47.4, if memory serves. That sounds... Yeah, that uh, Corey Joseph was my least favorite of any of their deals, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, why not Thomas Tetoransky? Three years, 30. Yeah. Yep. Much better player. Can, can play multiple positions, and they need someone who can play multiple positions uh, who, who's, you know... First and foremost, a guard, but who can switch off and then play like the three or something. I just oh. I think they're playing the they're paying a king's tax still, where you have <laughs> yeah. to overpay guys to come to that franchise. But hopefully, these guys are the ones who can start to turn this around, where you don't have to pay a king's tax. 
for free agents moving forward because you can see them become a competent organization. I think, you know, going to a team that hasn't made the playoffs in almost a decade and a half, it's hard to convince free agents to go there. You have to overpay them. But Mm. I think this is at least better than a couple summers ago when they overpaid Rondo and Bellinelli and, you know, salary dumped guys to get enough room just to pay them. I think this is, again, I'm grading the Kings on a curve here. Is that fair? Probably not. But this is this is the hand no, they've, I, that's they've fair. dealt us. I think it is fair. I just think, don't think that that curve has gone up to winners yet. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks, I think, are closer to winners than losers, but losing Brogdon does hurt. That said, yeah. you know, they kept Lopez, Middleton, George Hill. They got Robin Lopez on the room exception. Matthew, Wes Matthews on a minimum deal, which is great value. Brogdon's going to hurt the most. Losing Nico, whatever. I mean, they, they. I guess they probably weren't going to keep him either way. Yeah. So I, even I probably have them in the winners section. Honestly, yeah. gun to my head. Simply because I can't sit here and say as well that there should they should be in the TBD when I've argued that I would rather have Mess West Matthews uh, at at a minimum deal instead of Malcolm Brogdon on twenty plus million a year. Yeah, I, I think stand it's, by that. It's just the whole i, the whole concept of, did they cheap out slightly because they were afraid of the luxury tax? Yes, yes. I don't think they necessarily did it for the luxury tax, but yes, I, I totally think that they chose to sacrifice certain things to keep some flexibility open, which. It's not the best thing in the world when you are where you are in terms of positioning, but like Giannis right. is coming up pretty soon, and he's gonna go like he's gonna get like this super duper max, yeah, and, and be and be worth every penny. Oh, for sure. So it is so difficult. Um, I don't know. I, I I just I kind of feel it, it feels like they have something up their sleeves though. I can't help but think they're not done. Maybe not this year, but I think they're laying the groundworks for something. Mm. It, it's possible. It wouldn't uh, totally surprise me. Yeah, I mean, the Brogdon thing is the only thing that gives me pause about their offseason, but I think it's yeah. at least a notable enough downgrade. I agree. Matthews and Amendeal is a better value than Brogdon at $20 million, but the Bucks aren't necessarily at a point where they should be thinking about value. They just won 60 games, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, Right. You could argue they are the favorite in the East right now. Now that Kawhi is gone, this might be their window to really, you know, Giannis is a free agent in two years. And that, I don't know that that sends a great message if you are, at least the perception is that you're pinching pennies. Right. And it doesn't help that you go out and pay the amount of money for George Hill that you right. did. Right. That one I didn't get. That was their biggest, you know, WTF for me. Yeah. Uh, he was so good at the playoffs and frankly better than Eric Bledsoe in some certain games that I understand wanting to keep him. Right. But yeah, it's a lot of money for a pretty old guy. It is. It is. I did love the Robin Lopez signing, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if only just for entertainment purposes. <laughs> if only just for that. No, but he's like an effective backup center. Yeah. I even think he's going to be starting to shoot threes now. I yeah. mean, he did it a little bit in Chicago, and like, the range is there. That's oh, not he's gonna, the concern. Just, yeah, he's huh? going to have to. I think it's just yep. part of Bud's system. That's fine. And they also just signed, while we started recording here, it was official, yeah. the Nassus added a combo. Yeah. And he got guaranteed money, so that's interesting. 
yeah, that that is called. Please don't leave us like Kawhi did, Giannis. We'll do anything. We'll even give your brother three million dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's a fair gamble. Yeah. Uh, what, the, what the hell? Why not? What the hell? I, and besides, I kind of think the NASA should have been in the league for mm. the past couple of years. I don't. I don't think he's bad. That's I think teams are. Too, I mean, if it, if it, this is what it takes, this was a similar situation with Seth in Golden yeah. State. Remember, Seth started there partially, you know, partially because of Curry or yes, uh, Steph. Steph. Yeah. And then people were like, "Oh, oh, okay, he can actually play just a little bit. Let's let's give him a shot. Let's mm-hmm. see what he can do." And then suddenly, bang, thirty-two million dollars from Dallas here, you know, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a similar situation because the Nassus is good. He is legitimately good. It's just a matter of teams opening up their eyes and not, you know, putting him in that, oh, he's the little brother ideology. Mm-hmm. He's good. That's fair. Uh, the Boston Celtics, I, going from Kyrie to Kemba is a downgrade on talent, but that might make up for the upgrade in the locker room. Because, <laughs> yeah, probably, almost certainly will, I think. <laughs> Kemba is just going to be a better fit there, and uh, I mean, it just sounds like Kyrie and the young guys hated each other to such an extent that it probably is going to force a reevaluation on both sides. I think the young guys, knowing Kemba's coming in, are going to have to realize they're still somewhat taking a back seat, but they are going to get at least a slightly bigger share of the offense, and Kemba's a really good player. He's, he's not a huge downgrade from Kyrie in that regard. I think the bigger loss, the much bigger loss, is going from Al Horford to Ennis Cantor. Yeah. Cantor's a really good offensive player, a just absolute monster on the offensive glass in particular. Very, very bad defensively. He was passable in the playoffs, which was one of the biggest surprises of the playoffs, but that's going to be an issue. Yeah. And, you know, Horford was a really, really smart, intelligent, both offensively and defensively, Cantor's just only on one side of the court. I think it's going to be, you know, I, I think Boston is still good. I think they're probably right in that three, four, five, six range. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. I'm not too worried about that. But I think the, the previous Celtics were, at least on paper, had the talent of a title contender. I do not see this Celtics team having the same type of upside. Right. Cantor is the polar opposite of Horford. So he's a better scorer and rebounder than Alice, like yep. in in isolation at least. Yep. He is just he doesn't have any of the intricacies as Al does in terms of playmaking, defense, reading the court, communication, all these things, like all the little things that you actually pay Al Horford to do. You know, Cantor does none of those. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like from a personality perspective, Al's pretty low key. He's like. Yeah, it's okay. All is good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything. You know, he's he's never really, you know, is is a guy who's outspoken. And and Candor is like, <laughs> I'm gonna fool clowns on Twitter every chance I get. <laughs> right, right. Uh, which is like, it's already endearing him to Boston fans, which is great, by the way. Sure. Um, I I kind of low key love that because. You know, he, he's had it so rough. I mean, I, I really feel we just need to take a minute. Like, yeah. with all the political issues, and he just needs a win from a personality perspective as well. And to have a fan base embrace him in the manner that Boston fans have here initially, at least, that's been great. And I hope it continues. Yeah. Um, so, so here's my thing. Cantor, right? He 
could actually end up this year like averaging a legit 18 and 12. Like that wouldn't even surprise me if he averaged like insane numbers, which is very much unlike Horford, but where at the end of the day you just go, "Oh boy, you know, we need to change the center if you're a Boston right. fan." Right. Um and that's unfortunate because Cantor is highly highly talented. Like he he has a very unique skill set that is just incredible. He just doesn't fit into the current scheme of the NBA. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so unfortunate. One of the things that I've always wanted for him, but which he just can't right now because there's no way in hell he should go, he should go back to Europe. Uh I think he would be so great in in like mm. the Spanish ACB. Yeah. I think he I, would tear that league up. And like could you imagine him going with Nico to Barcelona? <laughs> right. I would have right. loved that, but you don't, he you know for political reasons or all that like just never near uh, my continent again for your own sake. I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But yeah. I I wonder if if this is going to be the last, you know, gasp Cantor has in the league where he's going to get significant minutes. Mm. Uh, I would best. I would guess it's his last starting opportunity on a good yeah. team. But and and how does how does that team become a middling team because of him? I mean, they still just have so much other talent. Kemba Hayward's hopefully a little bit closer to his old form. Tatum Brown. That I I do think they're going to be fine. Still, it's just right. But so let's talk about that though. Tatum just had a off year. Mm-hmm. Do we know for certain that's not the norm? I'm just I, I, asking I have this faith. out loud. Yeah, no, I have faith that those guys bounce back. I, I uh, do I, think I think they're going to be a better regular season team than they are a playoff team. Yeah. I I look at Tatum as well in the same light. I do think this last year was an abbreviation. Mm-hmm. Abbreviation, I think it's called. Um, but even so, I'm still wondering if the expectation levels that were on him, like he'll, he's going to be the greatest Celtics ever, he's going to average 27 points a game, all that. Those are high stakes, man. And I just have to wonder if he's going to like reach that. Because if that's the expectation of him coming in, wow. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> Certain Boston fans were a little too quick to say he's better than Paul Pierce after the first year. But I, yeah, I still yeah. think he has enormous upside. I, I, I Agreed. Agreed. I have faith in him bouncing back. Yeah, I hope so too. Again, like I always say the league is better when, when everyone is just playing better and having success. Yeah. Let's hit the Knicks. Basically, the only reason I have them in TBD is because I think none of these guys are long for the Knicks except for Randall. But, you know, they signed Randall, Portis, Peyton, Gibson, Ellington, Bullock. I, it, they, all of those deals except for Randall are two-year deals with second-year team options. So it feels like they are probably going to try to flip a few of them at the deadline to get more picks. Mm-hmm. But they just – we talked about it earlier this week as well. They could have – Taking Mo Harkless, Mo Harkless, and gotten the pick. They didn't have to necessarily set themselves up for future moves to get draft considerations. So it's TBD, just because I don't think none of those guys are making a material difference on the Knicks' long-term future, which should be the only consideration at this point. So we have to see what they get for those guys, if anything, or maybe they're just dumb and keep everyone and then try to roll it back 
you know, d- decide whether or not to pick up some of those options in the summer and maybe go in with some cap space. But very clearly, they should be trying to flip some of those guys at the deadline. Mm-hmm. So I look at the Knicks in, in two ways here. I think I agree with you that they're TBD in terms of what happened. If you factor in the expectations, James Dolan basically going out <laughs> and telling the entire Knicks fan, Knicks fan base, we are going to get someone fantastic. Right. We're going to get something major. Yeah. Then they are major losers. So yeah. it depends on where you come from. Do you come into this offseason with James Dolan's you know quotation in your mindset? Or do you just look at it as, oh, the Knicks did X, like signed Randall Portis, Payton, etc.? Right. Like That's I agree fair. with you in terms of what they ended up with. Yeah, it's too to be to be determined. I'm not high on it by any stretch. I like Portis, I like Randall, I like Gibson. I just don't know if they can coexist. Yeah. Payton, yeah, I I kind of like Payton. Like he's had a good games or he's had like multiple good games even in a row. Like the he had a triple double stretch as well. I'm not into triple doubles, but the mere fact that he can get them in that sense that's interesting, at least if he can, if he learns to shoot, he definitely becomes something. I like Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock. I love. So there are at least a lot of names there that I can see the value in, in isolation, mm-hmm. as a team. Ugh, not sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And then the last team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, I think they pivoted as well as they could after Kawhi spurned them. They got shooters in which was very smart, and Danny Green, KCP, Quinn Cook. They brought back Rondo, JaVale McGee, and NBA Twitter favorite Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. And they also got to Marcus Cousins, as predicted multiple times on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, one year, $3.5 million, reuniting Boogie and Brow, which makes me very happy. I think a lot like the Nets, the question is, you have a lot of combustible personalities in that locker room. How do you keep things together once you hit your first rough patch of the season? How does Boogie respond to being subtweeted by LeBron the first time? Probably not well. But look, they have a lot of talent. Boogie Boogie in particular, I think, was a very smart gamble for them. I know he was limited coming off the injury this past season. He may that just may be the new reality moving forward. But getting him at three point five he's making the same amount of money as Boban this year. Yeah. At oh, that kind great. of money, like it, that's just for a Lakers team that was limited cap wise and in terms of the free agents still on the market because they waited out Kawhi for so long. He's the best you could hope for, really. I mean, he has all star upside if he gets back to his old form, and if not, he's still probably going to be worth more than three point five million. Yeah. The thing we forget about Demarcus Cousins is he can pass the basketball. Yeah. So offensively. At the very least, he's always going to be relevant. He can pass the ball, and he can play, you know, near the rim. He can back people down and score with his back towards the basket. Yep. I, I get that. That's old age basketball. Totally understand that. But he can also offensive rebound and put back. Like he's always going to be relevant offensively. Oh, and he can shoot. That's a pretty essential component. He can yes. also hit threes. Defensively is the major concern. He can't move his feet anymore. He wasn't even that nimble prior to the Achilles tear. So you have to figure out a way to cover for that. Can you cover for that? Perfect. Then you could utilize him offensively. If you can't, then you got to sit his ass. Yeah. 
and and that's really I mean that's what it comes down to with with Demarcus and for three and a half million like yeah that's absolutely an experiment I'm willing to test out <laughs> I mean for sure you can only pay dividends if if it ends up working so by the way I'm I'm reminded of something Brian because whenever I see Alex Caruso's <laughs> name floating on Twitter I'm always taken back to the night LeBron. Uh, broke Michael Jordan's scoring uh, record, and I don't know who put this, you know, the video up on Twitter. <laughs> they had Alex Caruso go up to LeBron to congratulate him. A voiceover came up and said, "Hi, I'm Alex," <laughs> which I love because, yeah, yeah for obvious he might, reasons, he might be the Channing Fry of that locker room. Right, I, I love it. I, I really love that they brought him back because now LeBron is going to be forced to know who he is. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, the the question really for the Lakers is how does Frank Vogel survive this, especially with Jason Kidd waiting in the weeds trying to snipe his top coaching spot like a viper. Um, oh, you you mean you're not even a di- more nervous after seeing Summer League? Yeah, where... I know. I know. <laughs> Exactly. So that's it. like I think I I tweeted it when they signed Rondo that you know his doomsday clock is now one minute to midnight. Yep. Like he, I thought he would maybe make it until the trade deadline twenty twenty one before he got fired. He might make it forty games before he gets fired. So if he yep. can survive this, then they'll probably be pretty good and they could actually be title contenders. But. The, the, the range of ceiling to floor for the Lakers might be higher for them than any other team in the league. Oh, I think that's totally fair. And you know what? We saw that with, you know, Dwight Howard and Steve Nash back yeah. in 2012, 2013, yep. something 2012, like that. 2012, yeah. 2012. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just so hard to get a handle on. Yeah. Because obviously you have these two just fantastic superstars and then you have question marks right Right. uh, well Kyle Kuzma is is, you know what he is but he's not in that same tier as LeBron or AD and Mm -hmm. everything else is there are question marks like Danny Green fine player hot and cold KCP fine player hot and cold Quinn Cook fine player hot and cold JaVale McGee you know when engaged very good player when not unplayable we already you know talked about demarcus cousins like wow so many things has to go right right yeah yeah for sure yeah so i think more that's a good place for us to wrap up we will be back if and when a russell westbrook trade happens but otherwise we have summer league to talk about soon too yes we do and earthquakes and earthquakes yep oh yeah you got to the surprise ending of that game i i actually didn't see the whole game i had to just basically Google uh, mm. <laughs> Pelicans Knicks ending and I saw it because yep. I just didn't have time today. Yep. Uh, besides, I found out that that Sion only played nine minutes. And right. I was like, I'm not going to sit there for a whole game if he plays nine minutes. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's crazy. And like the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's dangerous. Yeah, it was not great. But uh, so. We will be back with Summer League stuff later this week. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It would really help us out. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. 
Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you know the Russell Westbrook trade happen at like 4 a.m. your time, so you can sit there and moan about it. <laughs> it's gonna be so annoying. <laughs> Take care, man. You too. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com xm to learn more. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.